I'm going to pull out my notepad so I don't forget any of them. Connect class. Connect class is next Sunday. And the Connect class is an opportunity. It's kind of like our onboarding process here. So if you want to get involved in the church, you want to serve on any of our team, Connect class is the way to do it. So it's next Sunday. It's going to be right after service in the commons. We're going to have lunch provided. And if you just text Connect into that number, and it'll shoot you back a link so you're able to sign up. It's actually a easy, super easy process so we can get that started for you. Uh, next announcement is we're having a family game night. Who's excited for that? <laughs> Woo! Yeah. Um, yes, Saturday, November 13th. If, uh, if you want to host a board game table, you actually come talk to me. I feel so official and special. But <laughs> if you... Oh, I th thanks. Thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, <laughs> if you want to host a table, you want to bring a board game, and you just want to hang out and do a board game, come talk to me. I'd love to get you set up, and we can get that figured out. And you also just bring a snack to share, and all ages are welcome. And the final announcement is, is it is the last Sunday for our survey. So uh, how many of you like to have your opinions heard? Yes, a, a lot. <laughs> But the survey is an opportunity to tell us what we're doing well, what we need to work on. We've had some really great responses so far, and the team has taken those feedback, and we've tried to work on, and, and we're really trying to set the, the, the church up for this next season that's coming up and, and, and head in the right direction. And so if you just text survey into that number, it'll shoot you back a link for the survey. But this Sunday, we actually have a very special treat. We have our very own Yo Snyder that's preaching this Sunday. Can we give it up for Yo? Woo! There he is. Excellent. The great pumpkin believer since 1966. Your very own. All right. Gotta set the tone. Set the mood. You guys ready for this? you are. Ready for this. Always good to start off with a little Stevie Wonder. You know what I'm talking about? Very yeah, that's what we're talking about this morning. We're going to talk about some superstitions. So, hey Klaus. Thank you. I've been watching a lot of home improvement recently. Uh, good morning. Happy Halloween, everybody. Oh, wait. <laughs> I said happy Halloween in church. You're not allowed to do that in church, right? I mean, this, this, is, like, this is like a bad holiday, right? We don't, we don't say Halloween in church, right? That's what I want to talk to you about today, all right? But before I do, I, I got I to gotta make a few disclaimers right up front before I step on absolutely everybody's toes, just so you're ready, Okay. First, uh, let me just say, uh, I'm not here to tell you what to do, all right? If you want to celebrate Halloween, if you don't want to celebrate Halloween, I'm not here to tell you what the right thing to do is, all right? I'm here to share some information with you. And no matter what you want to do with Halloween, you'll be able to do it based on an informed decision, all right? 1 Timothy 4.7 exhorts us, have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales. Rather, train yourselves to be godly. So in other words, we should be well-informed about the facts. We should check things out for ourselves. We should do some 
search, we should investigate things, all right? We shouldn't just rely on secondhand reports or hearsay, which quite frankly is what a lot of people have done with Halloween. Oh, I heard so-and-so say this about Halloween. That must be so. Whatever you do with Halloween, I just want you to do it based on some good information. And quite frankly, we should be like the Acts, the Bereans of the Book of Acts, right? Remember the Bereans in the Book of Acts? They always checked up on what they were told. They investigated the scriptures to see if it was true. So by all means, check my facts. Make sure what I'm telling you is accurate, because I know you always do that with Pastor Matt when he preaches. So I'm just asking for the same treatment, all right? That's all I ask. Also, let me be clear. I'm not pretending that Halloween isn't what it is, all right? I'm not denying what Halloween has become. This is a day that is filled with a lot of devilry and darkness and, quite frankly, debauchery, all right? This isn't about ignoring that. This is talking about what Halloween was, what it used to be, and perhaps what it could become if we had a better understanding of what its true heritage really was, all right? Um, and I also want to be clear about one other thing. I know today is a holiday, and usually Pastor Matt, on a holiday, you know, he has his awesome jokes that he tells, right? The, those groaners that you really, really enjoy. Well, I'm not Pastor Matt, so I just want you to know ahead of time, I will not be telling you things like the reason mummies don't like to go on vacation is because they're afraid to unwind. I'm just simply not going to tell you stuff like that today, just so you're prepared to be disappointed that you're not going to hear anything like that, okay? All right, so now we got all those ground rules out of the way, let's talk a little bit about Halloween, all right? Uh, now, I want to tell you, when I was growing up, my family didn't celebrate Halloween, all right? We didn't, we didn't do Halloween stuff. And that was really more due to the fact of what Halloween was, right? What Halloween is today, a dark holiday. My parents just didn't want us to uh, participate in any of that. Um, we did, you know, alternate stuff, you know, like the church harvest festivals and things like that. But growing up, all the trappings and stuff directly related to Halloween, we just didn't really do a lot of that when I was growing up. I didn't even go trick-or-treating until I was in high school, believe it or not. Oh, I forgot to turn on my jack-o'-lantern. There we go. So I didn't even go trick-or-treating until I was in high school. And um, when I went, I didn't even wear a costume. I just, I just, I got a pillowcase, I showed up at people's doors, and they're like, who are you supposed to be? It's like, I'm a teenager uh, who wants some candy. <laughs> I have some friends who are really bored and they have lots of TP, so <laughs> it's your move. I got a lot of candy that year, let me tell you. I was like, man. This is, this is a good deal. Um, so yeah, we just, didn't, we just didn't do it a lot when I was growing up. However, as I moved into college, as I got older, as I had a family of my own, I started to learn some things about this devil's holiday uh, that I found rather surprising. Um, in fact, I was learned that of all the major holidays, you know, talking like Christmas and Easter, Halloween is really the only one that got started by the church. Christmas and Easter were essentially pagan festivals, pagan celebrations that as Christianity grew, they, they co-opted, they incorporated those festivals into the Christian faith, and those festivals eventually became known as Christian celebrations. Even today, they're predominantly viewed as Christian celebrations. Well, the interesting thing is, Halloween was a celebration that was started by the church, but down through the years, somehow, it became more associated with darkness and evil. And we're going to talk a little bit about why that happened today. It was, it's, it's a fascinating story when, when you take a look at it. Um, 
And it got me, re- as I was learning this stuff, it just got me rethinking uh, about how I would approach this particular holiday that a lot of Christians try to avoid, quite frankly. All right, so where did Halloween come from? It's kind of a complicated story, uh, but believe it or not, it starts back in the early days of the church. We're talking like 5th, 6th century or so. And there were some leaders in the church who thought it would be a really good idea to set aside a day to remember all the people in the past year who had been martyred for their faith, to remember all the people who had been killed because they confessed Jesus Christ as Lord. And so that's what they decided to do. They were going to call it, they, let's have an All Saints Day, is a term they threw around. Some celebrated it on the Sunday after Pentecost. Uh, some celebrated it on the Sunday after Good Friday. Um, but you're probably picking up on something there. It's like, oh, yo, uh, that's in the spring. What does that have to do with a celebration in the fall like we do with, with Halloween? Well, it has the same thing to do that um, vampires and snowmen have to do with each other. Because you know what happens when you combine a vampire and a snowman, right? You get frostbite. <laughs> all right, so that doesn't, that doesn't really relate. Um, all right, so back to the story of Halloween. So in 609... There was a pope, Pope Boniface IV, who dedicated the Pantheon in Rome to the Christian saints. And when he dedicated the Pantheon, he did that on May 13th, and that became the official date of this yearly celebration of all saints. Now, again, you're probably thinking, May 13th, we're not even close to October, so how does this relate? Um, It wasn't really until about 100 years later, in about 731, 741, when the day was changed and officially moved to November 1st, and that was when it was officially called All Saints Day or All Hallows Day. And then this uh, annual celebration was formally added to the church calendar in 835. Now, the question is, why move this from the spring to the fall, right? Why make that move? Ah, here it is, here it is. The church tried to take over this pagan festival. That was in November, right? And they tried to do that just like they did with, with other ones. And, and it didn't really work out. And No, no, that's not really why they moved it. Uh, the move from spring to fall was really more a pragmatic move. So um, if you're in an agriculturally based culture, like they were in the time that we're talking about, what are you typically doing in the spring? You're planting, right? And then in the fall, what are you typically doing? You're harvesting. All right. So if you have an annual church celebration that is going to draw people from rural areas into city centers to be a part of this holy celebration, when is probably the best time to have a lot of people come visit you? When you're planting food or when you're harvesting the food? Probably when you're harvesting the food, right? So this move of All Saints Day to November 1st was just an issue of practicality. As the celebration grew and pilgrims were coming into city centers to celebrate this holy day, they realized it would be better if we had some food for them. And so they moved it to November 1st so that they could better feed the pilgrims. It's kind of like how it's really easy to remember what a ghost's favorite dessert is. It's ice cream. I... No, seriously, they like it with blueberry pie. I'm telling you, they, they do. All right, so now you're probably wondering, okay, that's all fine and good, but what about that whole uh, pagan celebration thing that I'm always hearing that Halloween is based on? What about that? I mean, when are we going to get to that? Isn't that like a thing? I mean, if you're like me, that's all I heard when I was growing up. You know, you're growing up through, uh, I was a Christian and raised in the church all my life, so throughout, you know, 
elementary school, mid school, high school. You go to youth groups, they're playing videos talking about all the evils of Halloween and how good Christians should not participate in any shenanigans that have anything to do with Halloween because it's all based on this ancient pagan celebration that's spelled really weird and no one can really pronounce it, but it's bad and you shouldn't have anything to do with it. All right, let's talk about that. What is the connection to this ancient pagan celebration known as Samhain? Now, you're probably thinking Samhain. I've never even heard that. You probably have. You've probably seen it. It's spelled really weird, right? Um, but it's actually pronounced Samhain. Um, it's a Celtic word because of the tradition. Now, this Celtic tradition known as Samhain was uh, celebrated on November 1st. And that's really like, ah, oh, see? Church knew that. They're like, they can't have a pagan celebration on November. We got to take that over. It worked with Christmas and Easter. Let's do that, right? And so they tried to move it, but then it just didn't work out somehow, right? Well, here's the thing. Samhain was a tradition that was celebrated in the northern Celtic regions of Scotland and Ireland, all right? Now, at the time we're talking about, 700s, 800s, you know, that's 1,500 miles away. That's a long way to travel back then. 1,500 miles. That's 1,500 miles away from the center of where the church was, which would be in the area of Rome. So it's a long ways away, not easy to travel to, and it was a regional celebration. Regional meaning this wasn't something that was celebrated throughout the world. It was very unique to that Celtic region. It was a regional celebration, and it had not spread throughout the rest of the world. Plus, at the time that we're talking about, Christianity had been around for well over 300 years. It was a well-established religion. It was not the upstart religion that was trying to make its way in the world, trying to survive, and trying to find ways to, you know, make sure it's not getting taken over by other pagan traditions. Christianity was one of the predominant religions in the world. So it's very unlikely that Christianity and church leaders felt threatened by a small regional tradition that was taking place 1,500 miles away from where the church was and thought, ooh, that's a threat. We better mitigate that and take over that. So it probably had nothing to do with that whatsoever. And the last thing, there's not a lot written down about Samhain, so we don't really know a lot about what actually happened in that celebration. Um, and some think it wasn't even being celebrated anymore at the time when the church moved all, ha all Hallows Day or All Saints Day to November 1st. As far as we know, Samhain wasn't even happening at the time. Okay, but you still hear it all the time, right? Evil pagan celebration, Halloween, don't have anything to do with it. How did that get all connected? <laughs> it's kind of funny. It's a really tenuous connection at best. Um, and most of it can be traced to a book that was written in 1890. 1890. That's like a thousand years after what we're talking about. All right? That's a long time. Sir James Fraser wrote this book called The Golden Bough, A Study in Magic and Religion. Now, a lot of people agree that this book wasn't, he didn't really do his homework well for this book, got a lot of facts confused. But in this book, Sir James Fraser made this connection of Samhain being some sort of ancient festival of the dead that was celebrated, and that's where some of these traditions and darkness and the obsession with death came for the, the celebration of Halloween. Now, what's interesting is it's more likely that All Souls Day, which is celebrated on November 2nd, and we're gonna talk more about that here in just a moment, might have had more influence on the perception of what Samhain was than Samhain had on Halloween. All Souls Day was a celebration and a festival of the dead. And Sir James Fraser probably just got some things mixed up. 
but it's more likely that that's why people viewed Samhain as a celebration of the dead because of what was going on on All Souls Day. Confused? Yes, it's very confusing. And that's the point. We got to investigate and try and find out what's really going on with all this stuff, right? So, if it wasn't from some evil pagan celebration that was taking place, why is Halloween such a dark day that's so obsessed with death and the dead? I mean, come on, it had to have come somewhere. It did. Funnily enough, some of it can be blamed on the church, believe it or not. You're like, what? No, that's true. So, Around this time, there was this idea being developed in the church that the souls of the departed may not necessarily immediately go to heaven or hell. Uh, There's this guy, Amalarius of Metz, around 850 or so, he wrote, and this is a quote, many pass out of this world without at once being admitted into the company of the blessed. So the soul departs but doesn't have anywhere to go. What does that sound like? Sounds like ghosts, right? And after he came up with this concept, he said, if that happens, who are you going to call? He didn't say that. They didn't have movies back then. They didn't have phones back then, so they couldn't call anyone. So, um, And just, just to clarify, you know, this idea, um, it lasted a while, but about 700 years later, this teaching that people don't immediately go into the presence of God after they died was actually firmly rejected by the newly formed Protestant branch of the church because there was no biblical basis of it for, for that idea, all right? Nevertheless, before that happened, the idea stuck, and it became rather popular. Uh, A contemporary of Amalarius, St. Odillo, decided, based on what Amalarius was saying, November 2nd, which eventually became known as All Souls Day, November 2nd, we should set that day aside to pray for our dead, you know, to free them from their in-between status. And this in-between status eventually became known as purgatory. Um, In 1274, the concept of purgatory actually became church dogma at the Council of Lions, and it was agreed, and this is interesting, this was a place for souls to be cleansed if they didn't have enough worthy fruits of penance to immediately go into heaven. And hopefully I don't even have to explain to you some of the biblical problems with that idea, okay? Just like I probably don't have to explain that the reason skeletons have such low self-esteem is because they have no body to love. They have... I have no body to love. All right, sorry. Back to purgatory. So purgatory was a prominent idea in the church, right? And it was for quite some time. And here's what happened. In order to encourage people not to end up there, and more importantly, to encourage people to pray for their loved ones or friends who had ended up there, and I'm still not clear how they knew anyone ended up there. Like, did they check the Facebook group or something? I don't know. It's not clear to me how they knew someone, but they somehow they knew people were there. And so to tell people, you don't want to go there, and you definitely want to make sure you pray for the people who do end up there so they get out of there quicker, uh, a lot of scary stories started to be developed about purgatory. Uh, scary stories about the unsettled dead, the dead with unfinished business, the dead who can't find any rest. Scary imagery was developed that went along with this. All developed to motivate people on November 2nd, on All Souls Day, to make sure they prayed for their beloved dead in order to help them to get out of purgatory. So they were doing that on All Souls Day on November 2nd, which was right after All Saints Day on November 1st, which was right after All Hallows Eve on October 31st. Uh, I hope you can see how this all sort of snowballed into this celebration that was focused a lot on death and the dead and scary stories about them. So there's a couple interesting things uh, I want to make sure I point out from all this. 
One, with all this scary purgatory stuff going on, eventually someone realized, hey, this is not in the Bible. This is not Bible. we got to do something about this. And they did. They decided to do something about it. So this guy, Martin Luther, wrote up his 95 theses and nailed them to a church door. Now, the interesting thing is the day that he did this was October 31st, 1517. Random coincidence? That's, hey, he got done with it. It's like, well, I'm done. I might as well put it up somewhere. Put it on that church door over there. And he had no idea what date it was? No, he knew exactly what he was doing. All Hallows' Eve, All Hallows' Day, and All Souls' Day had become so wrapped up with purgatory and the practice of indulgences. And indulgences were basically a way you could pay someone to help you pray their, your loved ones out of, out of purgatory. Kind of a weird concept. Again, I don't know how they knew anyone was there, let alone <laughs> if you paid that they would get out there quicker. I'm not sure how that system worked, but indulgences and praying for the dead in purgatory was all big business. It was a big deal, and Martin Luther was pointing out, this is not Bible. And so he posted his thoughts on how to set the church back on a more biblical course on October 31st, which is why October 31st is also well known as being Reformation Day. In essence, Martin Luther was one of the very first people who wanted to take this day and reclaim it for the church and biblical truth. Now, the second interesting note is when you think of the term Halloween itself. So, Eve, the back part of it, you can trace back to the words of the words Eve, right, from All Hallows Eve. But the first part, hallow. I mean, we should have heard that word before, right? Uh, if you have like a King James version of the Bible, one of the older translations, one of the places we're probably most familiar with that word is from the Lord's Prayer: "Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name." What does that word mean? In the Lord's Prayer, the term hallowed, it means holy, consecrated, sacred, or revered. Hallow, as a word, means to make holy or sacred, to sanctify or consecrate, to venerate. So the real shame of what has gone on with Halloween is here we have a holiday with a very holy term in the very name of the holiday, and somehow that holiday has become more associated with evil than darkness than what its name implies. <laughs> Devil's got to love that irony. <laughs> Don't you think? I mean, this is a holiday where the word of the holiday is usually used in the Lord's Prayer. It's a holy term. And somehow we have let that holiday slip away and become associated with evil and darkness. You know the devil's got to love the irony of Christians going, Halloween? Don't want anything to do with that. <laughs> hey guys, they don't want anything to do with the holy word. How'd you pull that off? I don't know. You hear all the time people talking about, uh, we got to put the Christ back in Christmas. How about we put the hallow back in Halloween? Why not? And, and one other little historical tidbit I want to share with you because I told you when I went trick-or-treating. Trick-or-treating, how did that get started? Uh, among other things, one of the roots of trick-or-treating, which is very interesting, before the Reformation, uh, there was this tradition called souling in the British Isles. Uh, souling was where the poor could go door-to-door -to, -door to their neighbors and ask for food or drink in return for a prayer for that family's beloved dead. How they knew they had any, again, I don't know. They got a text message about it. They're like, oh, so-and-so, they have people in purgatory. Great, I'm going over there. I don't know how they found that out, but they did. 
And so they would go door to door asking for food and, and help. Now, some were a little embarrassed about having to do this. They probably didn't want their neighbors to know that they were in need. And so some people would wear disguises when they went out souling. But the interesting thing to me is that trick-or-treating is a tradition that has some of its roots in the, the desire to care for the poor, to show generosity and charity to those in need. Of course, trick-or-treating today is more about greed and gluttony. But again, a lot of things have changed with Halloween from where it came from. All right. So you're probably thinking, well, this is all very interesting. Um, but what do we do with it? Well, for one, I would say, do with it what you will. But you got to be willing to let others do the same. Romans 14, starting in verse 5, Paul puts it this way. One person esteems one day better than another, while another esteems all days alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. The one who observes the day, observes it in honor of the Lord. The one who eats, eats in honor of the Lord, since he gives thanks to God. While the one who abstains, abstains in honor of the Lord and gives thanks to God. For none of us lives to himself, and none of us dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord. If we die, we die to the Lord. So then whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. For to this end, Christ died and lived again, that he might be both Lord of the dead and of the living. Why do you pass judgment on your brother? Or you? Why do you despise your brother? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. Romans 14, 5 through 10 is where we get that. The point is this. If you want to celebrate Halloween as a special day to honor the Lord and to remember all the saints who lived and gave their lives to honor the Lord, then by all means do so. And my dad passed away a couple years ago. And oddly enough, this time of year is taking on different meaning for me as I think about my dad, a saint who lived to honor the Lord and left a legacy of honoring the Lord and thinking about ways, how do I live up to that legacy? How do I start a legacy of my own of honoring the Lord? It's become a little bit different for me since he's gone away. However, if you want to not do that and treat Halloween just like any other day, except maybe with more candy, then by all means, Treat Halloween like any other day and honor the Lord just like you do any other, other, other day of the year, except maybe with less candy. Uh, but whatever you do, let's honor the Lord, right? Because right now, our world doesn't need to see the church bickering back and forth about a date on the calendar. Do we participate in it? Do we not participate in it? What our world needs to see is a united church honoring the Lord in everything we do every day of the year, no matter what's going on, so that they too might be pointed towards the Lord and want to honor him as well. You can use Halloween to do that. Or you cannot use Halloween to do that. Just do that. So that people might want to honor the Lord. The other thing we can take away from this. Halloween is a very interesting opportunity for us to remember the horror and the hope of Christianity. I know what you're thinking, the horror of Christianity? Okay, yeah, so I've never really thought of it in those terms either. And then I was reading this article earlier this month that talked about the horror of Christianity. And I was like, horror of Christianity? I've been a Christian all my life. I don't find anything horrifying about it. But 
piqued my interest, and I started reading this article, and it got me thinking about things in, in a little different way. What does it look like to someone who's not as familiar with Christianity, who's looking at it from the outside in? And when you look at it from that perspective, let's be honest, we got some weird stuff going on. We talk about drinking blood and eating a body. You know, hold on, hold on. That's just communion. It's juice and crackers. It's symbolic. We're not really doing that. Okay, yeah, I get that. But nevertheless, we say things like, let's eat the body and drink the blood. That's kind of freaky. Even in Jesus' day, when he talked about that, people heard him talk about that, and they're like, that's horrifying. I don't want anything to do with that. And they stopped following Jesus because he talked about that. Every year, we dedicate an entire day to commemorate and even celebrate the brutal beating and cruel crucifixion of Jesus Christ on a cross. It was a horribly violent, dark moment in history. And yet we commemorate it every year as a part of our Easter celebration. And we call it Good Friday, the audacity to call something like that Good Friday. The symbol of our faith, I'm crying out loud, the cross is one of the most sadistic and cruel devices of torture ever conceived by man. We go around wearing it like a piece of jewelry. And let's not forget, you know, Satan, hell, all the demons that we're constantly at war with. Christianity has a lot of horror wrapped up in it. But here's the thing. That horror highlights the hope of Christianity. We drink the blood, we eat the body symbolically because it reminds us of the sacrifice that Jesus made to deliver us from darkness. We remember the death of Jesus on Good Friday because that brutal death paid the price for our sin and paved the way for the hope of the resurrection. Darn right it's a Good Friday. The cross is empty. The tomb is empty. Jesus isn't suffering on the cross anymore. He conquered the cross. He conquered the grave. And he conquered death. The cross is empty. The tomb is empty so that our lives might be full. And even Satan and all the powers of darkness and hell couldn't keep him on the cross. Couldn't keep him in the grave. And they cannot extinguish the light and hope of salvation and redemption. The death and resurrection is the most powerful event in all history. And it is full of horror. And it is full of hope. And if the band wants to come up, I'm getting, getting ready to land this plane here. Here's the thing. Halloween is probably one of the most churchy of all the holidays. Because of how it encompasses both the horror and the hope of Christianity. It's a day to remember that darkness must always give way to the light. It's a day that reminds us that the horrors of sin and death no longer have any power over us because of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We remember those things as we remember all the saints who lived their lives, gave their lives, who are still living their lives, who are still giving their lives to share that good news with the world in need. And I was talking about this with my mom. She was raised Lutheran. And, uh, and she talked a little bit about some of the traditions that the Lutheran church still does today on All Saints Day. To remember the saints who have passed. To honor them. 
and to be inspired by them. Beautiful traditions. I know what you're thinking. Lutheran church, come on. Liturgical, religious. Maybe. But they're honoring the Lord. You know, now that I think about it, maybe Happy Halloween is an entirely appropriate thing to say in the church. So happy Halloween, everybody. I hope you have some saints who inspire you. I hope you have some loved ones who have changed your lives, pointed you towards honoring the Lord. Remember them. Cherish them. Aspire to be more like them. And use this day to help inspire the world as well. Now, you may be watching online, maybe here today, and you're, you're probably thinking, yeah, I know about that darkness and the horror of life in this world that you're talking about, but I'd like to know more about that hope and that light of Jesus Christ that you mentioned. I've got some good news for you. You can start experiencing that today, on this blessed day. That's right, on this holy day, on this hallowed day. What better day to start experiencing the hope of Jesus in your life? And it's as easy as ABC. A, admit that you need a Savior. You need a Savior to deliver you from the horror and the darkness of this world. B, believe that Jesus is that Savior. Believe that his death and resurrection has the power to bring light and hope into your life. And that his hope and his light can change your life forever. And banish sin and darkness so you never have to contend with them again. And see, confess, confess that Jesus is your Lord, that he is the Savior of your life. Confess him as the light and hope that you need, that he is the one who conquered sin and death on the cross and when he rose from the dead. Only he can deliver us from darkness into light, from horror into hope, and from death into life. And you can do that with just a simple prayer, a short talk with God. That's all it takes. And it might sound something like this. Heavenly Father, I need a Savior. I admit that I am a sinner. I am consumed by the darkness of this world, and I need your hope. Come into my life. Be the hope and the light of my life. I want to follow you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. I hope that you prayed that today. And, and even if you didn't, if you need prayer, we're going to have prayer teams on the wings of our sanctuary so you can get prayer if you need that on this blessed day of Halloween. It's a great day to get prayer. It's a great day to honor the Lord. It's a great opportunity to share with a world in need the hope of Jesus Christ. That's why this holiday was started. And this holiday can do that again. Happy Halloween, everyone. <laughs>